0: our scripture this morning, which comes to us out of the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6. We read verses 25 through 34. Matthew 6, beginning in verse 25. Hear now the words of Jesus. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? Why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things. And indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. Let's pray. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, as scripture is read, as word is proclaimed, help us hear with joy what you say to us this day in your name. Amen. Today we close out our stewardship series entitled Treasure. And uh, so we have been on this journey for four weeks now talking about um, our hearts and about treasure and about how we are God's treasure. And today it comes to a head with how do I not worry about a thing? Folks, dare we say that there is something plaguing the nation's and the world's people that goes beyond the pandemic that we've been living through the past few years? (laughs) Dare we say that there's been something plaguing people since there were people? I don't know about you, but it has plagued me as a human and many of you can understand as well. But, But that plague I'm talking about is, as you've probably guessed, is worry. Worry. We live in an age of anxiety and a time of many worries, do we not? It is estimated that in America alone, 40 million people have been diagnosed with an anxiety disorder. This says nothing of the countless more who deal with worries day in and day out. We worry about our families. We worry about our finances. We worry about the future. My greatest worry is the unknown. Can anybody testify? (laughs) Because I don't know it, so I have to worry about it. At least that's my thought. We worry about all these things. We worry about how they intermingle together and affect each other, don't they? Of course, uh, as you've uh, guessed, and as I've already alluded to, worry is not a new phenomenon. It was the ancient Greeks who coined the term agoraphobia. Agoraphobia, which today we use to talk about the fear of public places. This was one of the first known phobias to come into existence, at least by definition. And of course, the Greeks... Uh, didn't have nearly the number and the variety of all the intensity of phobias that we have today. And we could stand here and go down a list and never hit every single one of them, probably. So, since we're going to talk about worry, what is it? How do we define worry? Well, the way to define worry for us today in our context today is this. This is the definition we're going to use. Worry is being anxious or uneasy about something uncertain or about something potentially dangerous. Anxious or uneasy about something uncertain or about something uh, potentially dangerous. Is that a fair definition, everybody? So uh, with that definition in mind, though, I want to point out something to you first and foremost. Worry is not all bad. Can I get a witness? (laughs) Worry is not all bad. Some worry can be quite helpful, right? It serves as a survival mechanism that keeps us out of trouble, (laughs) that keeps us safe. Usually, though, when we talk about worry, what is the part of the worry that we're talking about? We're talking about the irrational, purpose-lacking, unhelpful stream of thoughts that plagues us rather than protects us, right? That, that hinders us rather than helps us. Worrying may, may grow out of an innate instinct for survival, but it can grow into a destructive force rather than a life-giving emotion. Referring to this destructive force, Jesus tells us in today's scripture, don't worry. He even names some of the things that usually cause us to worry. He mentions food and drink and clothing. Many of these, for, for many of us, the, these basic needs are taken care of through our work and, 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 and the work itself causes us to worry, right? Right? <laughs> For some people, though, work may be an unknown for tomorrow. So the idea of what it is that many of us have that helps us take care of these things aren't there for some people. So then the worry mountain builds. Are you with me? It is no accident that Jesus discusses worry then right after talking about treasure and about money. He knows that, that our needs then to, to make money and, and to take care of our families produces anxiety which leads to worry. The point Jesus is trying to make here in this scripture is that to God, our lives are worth more than food. To God, our lives and our bodies are worth more than clothes. Jesus is, is speaking not about the material concerns or things or needs of this world, but yet again, as is the continuous theme that we have experienced in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus speaks to this because he is concerned about our hearts. So, friends, what does worry do for us? Let's look at some of the things that worry does for us. Now, this is not an attack on worry. It's not an attack on these uh, uh, symptoms and signs. It's not an attack on those who misplagues because I'm right there with you. We're just going to flush through what worry is today. Is that okay with everybody? So what does worry do for us? Worry, first, it damages our health. Worry dam- damages our health. It is uh, uh, medically proven that worry elevates blood pressure. No wonder I'm on blood pressure medicine, right? <laughs> Two different ones. <laughs> worry, worry causes headaches. It's the source of many uh, migraine episodes. It contributes to malnutrition, insomnia, exhaustion, and to many people, of reliance on drugs and prescriptions. So worry damages our health. Worry disrupts our productivity. I don't know about you, but as soon as I hear of something that I'm greatly concerned about, my productivity goes out the window. Boom, I'm done. I'm immediately researching what it is that I'm worried about, trying to find more answers, trying to find more solutions, trying to answer more questions, right? Can can you you identify with that? It disrupts our productivity. Worry uh, also negatively affects the way that we treat others. negatively affects the way that we treat others. We get snappy. We get, uh, I get snarkier than usual. Um, uh, you know, my temper and, and, and fuse gets a little bit uh, shorter, right? How many of you can identify? <laughs> Confession's being made this morning. <laughs> what else does worry do? Worry reduces our ability to trust. It reduces our ability to trust in our God-given talents our God-given gifts. It reduces our ability to trust in our God-given skills. And dare we say it, folks. We're going to announce it. We're going to name it today. Worry reduces our ability to trust in God. Let's name it for what it is, folks. And finally, the last thing we're going to talk about what worry does not do for us worry doesn't add a moment of time or value to our lives even Jesus himself names that one does he not in fact how often do we lose precious time because of our worries remember that lack of productivity thing again works hand in hand with this i'm right there So, what does all this mean? The one fact about being human, my sisters and brothers, is this. Just because that we know that we shouldn't worry doesn't mean that we won't. Right? It's easy to say it causes all these things. It's easy to hear Jesus say, don't worry because it doesn't add a moment of value to, the, to our lives. But just to hear it doesn't mean we won't worry, right? It's a human Innate and instinctive reaction. So do not feel bad when worry creeps into your lives. In fact, I'm worried right now about the time of this sermon and when I'm going to get you out of here today, right? It just creeps in. (laughs) Worry can be about the things that some of us seem little and worry can be about the things that seem big. is in the eye of the beholder right so I want you to hear this Jesus isn't suggesting that we talk ourselves out of anxiety and into happiness that is not what Jesus is suggesting here he isn't saying to use logic and to move on he isn't saying that oh if you just trust in me more you won't worry that doesn't work because we are still human that is not what Jesus is saying here. And he, uh, he is saying, He is pointing us toward the root cause of all worry. You want to know what the root cause of all worry is this? Root cause of all worry is this. Ultimately, we think we're the ones in control. Amen? Here's a news flash, folks. We aren't. Amen. We think that time and life are dependent upon us. How many of our kids, grandkids, and us think the sun revolves around us? We joke, but how many people think it's true? (laughs) Jesus tells us not to worry and points us to our God who's the one who truly holds time and the one who truly holds life. Worrying will not add a moment to our lives Trusting in God, though, will allow us to embrace the time that God has given us here. When our treasure is in God, all those things we worry about in life assuredly will fall into the right place. A place that is beneath God in our allegiance and our attention. You hear that? Is it possible to get rid of all worry? No. Don't think it is. But what we can do is this. We can put God ahead of the worries of our lives. We can put our trust in God in a place that it comes into our minds faster than any worry can ever creep in. As Jesus continues this morning, he suggests that we we notice the flowers. Flowers don't wear themselves out with work. (laughs) They don't spin uh, cloth for their clothes. God dresses the flowers beautifully. God cares for the flower. Jesus wants us to notice the beautiful things that God created around us today and beautiful things that god cares for you know when we move quickly through this life we we may not notice the birds we may not notice the flowers and we may not notice the beauty around us but with god's perspective we see them with their beauty and with their value God puts within the birds the instinctive desire to move to places of better climate and more provision when it is the right time. It's called migratorial. Migratorial? It's called migratorial instinct. Jesus says, if God feeds the birds, they are of worth to God. Do you not think you are worth more? Because God created in us the innate ability to love. We are created in the image of God, which means we have the ability to love the way that God loves. You, my sisters and brothers, are God's treasure. Similarly, Jesus wants us to notice the lilies of the field we pass by as we move place to place. And with God's perspective, we see their beauty and their value. Jesus says, God dresses them in the field. God takes care of them. God will take care of us. Once again, Jesus is saying, i said it again because I want you to hear it again because it's this important. Jesus is saying, we are the ones who is God's treasure. So does this mean that those who trust in God don't have to work? Does that mean that those who trust in God don't have to do the things to take care of themselves? You know, it's not scriptural that God takes care of those who help themselves. That's not scriptural. But the ideal is still right one to live by. Amen? No, we still have to do our part. Jesus is saying that we are valuable to God. He knows there will inevitably be times when we worry about what we will eat or what we will drink or what we will wear. He is reminding us, that, though, that we are God's creation, that God cares for us, that God will take care of us. Jesus' image is here of birds and lilies. They, They give us some perspective. That's why he uses these. They give us perspective on how God views us. God wants to give us all that we need. God desires to give God's children all that they need. God wants to be all that we need. Hello, did you hear that one? I want to say that one again. God desires to be all that we need. We are God's treasure, and we find our treasure in Jesus and in believing that God is ultimately the one that is in control of our lives, of our lives around us, and of this world. Every breath in and out is God's responsibility. We must entrust all that we are and all that we have and all that we need to the God who holds our everything in the palm of God's hand. Preacher, how am I going to do that? Whenever worry isn't an innate instinct in my life? I'm so glad you asked questions. Jesus provides the answer right in our scripture today. We are to desire first and foremost God's kingdom and God's righteousness. I heard it like this growing up in the King James Version. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Jesus knows that there are things in our lives that demand our time. and and attention, and it calls us concern. However, Jesus wants to help us understand the proper place that each of these should hold in our hearts. First in our hearts should be what? The things of God. First in our hearts should be the things of God. In much of the same way that our greatest commandment is to love the Lord our God with all of our hearts and minds and our souls. Jesus says our greatest Pursuit should be after God's kingdom. You know what God's kingdom is? Here's the simplest and easiest way to define God's kingdom. God's kingdom is a place and God's kingdom is a concept. Anything and everything that belongs to God is God's kingdom. This world we are standing in belongs to God. Therefore, this is God's kingdom. You belong to God. Therefore, you belong are God's kingdom. Heaven above, which is located in the presence of God, belongs to God. Therefore, heaven is God's kingdom. Is that enough of a definition of God's kingdom? Anything and everything that belongs and is of God. When the things of God become what we truly treasure, then we find that the other things we value do not demand as much from our hearts. As we give our hearts more and more to God, our our treasure is more and more in God and not the things of this world, including emotions such as worry. Folks, don't give worry a space in your heart because it's so full of the things of God, worry can't have the room to creep in. Even as Jesus tells us not to worry, he does warn us that each day has enough trouble of its own. He tells us to let worry, to, let tomorrow worry about itself. Because guess what? As long as there is a tomorrow, there will be more worries. Amen. <laughs> Leave them in the tomorrow today's got enough. As we face the trouble of this day, our desire for God's kingdom and God's righteousness can cause our worry to fade. And it's because we replace that space in our hearts with the things of God. As God, we, uh, uh, we put less and less stock in the treasures, uh, treasures of this world When we learn to put more and more of our hearts into the things of God. We begin to invest our time, our energy, our money into the things of God and not the things of this world. And we find freedom. We find freedom from the things that used to hold us in its grip. Things like worry and fear dissipate whenever we turn to God and say, God, it is yours to hold. I'm only in my own way. How many of us have ever prayed that prayer? How many of us have ever needed to pray that prayer? I am the one in my own way. I want to tell you a quick story as we close out the message today. One of them. One of the most memorable and greatest experiences of my life was the time when I was in seminary uh, in Denver, Colorado. I wouldn't trade that time for the world. However, it is still the most difficult time I ever spent in my life. Kate and I gave up everything. Careers, potential careers, potential futures. Gave it all up, sold what we could, took the rest with us, 26 foot U-Haul and everything and moved across country to Denver, Colorado. Thank God we didn't have kids yet. We were still kids of ourselves. We didn't know what we would do for work or for money except for what I knew I was receiving in financial aid from the conference and from the university. To this day, this is still the craziest thing we've ever done in our entire lives because the one who worries most about About future and about the unknown and about money was giving it all up for an unknown. (laughs) But this is what I knew. I knew I was giving it up to pursue the things of God. We get up there, Kate had a rough time finding a job, so I'd still spent many restless moments concerned about how we would pay for the things that we needed to pay next. But it wasn't until I had a life-changing moment that I realized that I had nothing to worry about because I was doing God's work. Now, it doesn't always happen like this, but this was my defining moment. I was working on the bills for the next month, and we were coming up right around $500 short. And so I was plugging through all the savings and all, you know, just the things that you do when you're trying to cut pennies. And, and so I had had enough. My head was hurting because, you know, worry causes headaches, right? And so I decided to walk down. We lived on a second-floor apartment in South Denver. I decided to walk down to the mailbox to get the mail for the day just to get my, get out of my own head and so I walk down to the mailbox, to pull out the mail, and in the mail is this letter addressed to me, and it is from a Sunday school class at First United Methodist Church in Leesville, Louisiana, a place I had never been before in my life. I've been to Leesville, but not to the church. Inside was a letter that says, uh, we're a particular Sunday school class from this church, and it is a mission of ours to sponsor a seminarian from the Lake Charles District. And the DS gave us your name. Here is a one-time gift of $500. (laughs) Don't tell me God does not work for God's people whenever we dedicate our lives to building the kingdom of God. Don't tell me God does not work for us. Don't tell me God does not provide for us in our greatest moments. Because I've experienced the gifts of God. I've experienced the moments where I needed God most. And God showed up. Let me tell you something, folks. Whenever you need God the most, in your greatest moment of need, God comes through. This is a true story. How many of you have experienced that? How many of you can tell the story to someone that whenever you need God the most, God comes through? Folks, that is the gospel message today. When Jesus says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, He means it, because when we do, God will take care of you through anything and everything, the hymn writer said it best, God will take care of you. So here's the question for us today. How are we setting ourselves up as the church to take care of the people of God whom we've called to serve? So that others may know through the gifts that God has blessed us with that people care. That they matter to God and they matter to us. You know, this is a special day, like I said, in the life of our church. This is a a commitment Sunday. And and what that means is that that we take a moment and and we consider the gifts that we're going to give for the next year. And we don't ask you to, to fill out a commitment card just... Just because it's the thing to do, and it's because it's a traditional thing that we do every year, we do it for a reason. First and foremost, it is an act of discipleship. It is a disciplinary act to be able, it's a spiritual discipline to be able to write down exactly what it is that we are committing financially to God for the year to come. It is a spiritual act and an act of discipline to get up and to walk it and to put it it on the altar rail or to bring it and turn it over to the church in whatever form that is. It's an act of spiritual discipleship. It's also a a fiscal responsibility um, for us. it's It's a way that we can responsibly create a fiscal budget for the next year. So it does serve as a logistical means as well. But within that, We can know how much we can contribute to the missions of our church and the way that we can impact our community and the way that we can build and further God's kingdom in Denham Springs and beyond. So yes, it is a logistical tool, but it's a tool designed for living into our calling to serve and to love God. And I want you to know I know there's some who are saying, Here, I've been filling this card out for years and I'll continue to do so. Thank you. There are some that are saying, I've given for years, but I've never had to fill out a card to do it and I'm not going to start now. That's okay. Thank you. There are those saying, I would love to fill out a card, but I wouldn't even begin to know what figure to put there because I never know how much I can give. That's okay. There are those saying, well, I can't give as much as I want to, but I can start with this. That's awesome. Thank you. Maybe there are those saying, well, this is what I gave last year, but I can take a step up. And I can bring a little bit more because I've been blessed a little bit more this year. If that's you, thank you. Whatever situation you are in, however it may be, thank you for your commitment to God and your commitment to service through the church in which God has created as the means for spreading God's kingdom to the community. During the singing of our final hymn, I'm going to invite you, if you haven't done so already, take your card and invite you to fold it or however you feel see fit. Come and drop it in this basket here, if you've already turned your card in, I invite you, if you'd like, come and be on your knees in prayer for the life of our church and our community for the next year. Or say a prayer wherever you may stand during that song, however you feel comfortable doing so. But we're going to take this time, we're going to commit to our work as a church during the next year. And as we prepare to go into this final song I want to say a blessing for the cards that are being received and the ones that will be brought and then we're going to stand and sing uh, our closing hymn, I love thy kingdom Lord. So if you need anything in this moment, use that as well. This is your time with God to communicate your worries with God and to be with God and during the singing of this hymn won't you come forward in the way that you feel called to do so if you feel called to do. So let's say a prayer for our commitments for the next year. Oh, God, you know our hearts and our minds. You know our situations. Lord, move in us and through us and despite us today. And you're calling on our hearts and our lives to be able to give what it is that you are calling us to give. Lord, we know that if we put first and foremost your work into the world, you will provide for our needs. Or sometimes it's not as great as walking and finding a check in the mailbox. But we know that in your time, in your ways, and in your methods, you will provide for us. Help us put that as our first and foremost trust this day. Lord, bless those who come, who bring their commitments, whether in a written card or in their hearts and in their minds, to your service this year, that they may be used for that purpose and for building your kingdom, for making disciples and transforming the world. In your name, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. I love thy kingdom, Lord. You can find that on page 540 of the hymnal. We're going to stand together and sing verses 1 through 3 and 5, right? It's 1 through 3 and 5.